Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. If you live long enough, if you live long enough, uh, our world really acquires this taste for things that are authentic and real. So we got all a list of things that we believe is valuable, like Louis Vuitton or, or Gucci and, you know, all of these, you know, expensive things. Um, and, and, you, and you like it. And sometimes um, if you understand, let's just use purses. Women have the ability to detect a good purse. And I... You know, and I wanted my wife to, to have one of them good purses one day, but we was in the Philippines once, and I saw all those good purses for bargain prices. Like something that was normally like thousands, you could get for like $50. It was like, it was amazing to me. And so, you know, I picked up a couple bags. Now, on the way home, you notice something about the bag. The, the handle would break, but you could, you could kind of jimmy-rig it, though, back up. It had the right look of authenticity and genuineness, but the reality is it was, it was fake. It wasn't real, and you know, it's, it's, it's all right. You know, when I was growing up, it was cool to have, you know, a chain or, you know, a, a, a diamond. I learned, you know, I think my mom bought me something one time. I said, Mom, this is great. You just, she said, yeah, baby, they got this cubic zirconia, and you know, I got that for you. I didn't know that's not the real diamond. She said it's diamond light. <laughs> you know, but when I first got it, I was just, I was shining in people. Made me present my authenticity. But I know there's something about myself, Pastor Dave. Once I knew that it wasn't real, I still presented it as if it was. It's something that is, is in human nature where I want you to know that I'm something perhaps that I'm not. But it's all right if you think that. It made me feel good. So would you trace this need for authenticity, you know, with things and perception? I think it shows up in one of the most profound ways in terms of relationships. You've got to know who your real friends are. Who loves you unconditionally? Who's going to forgive you? Who's not going to hurt you? Who, who's going to have your back, you know, in difficult situations and in, in, in difficult times? You just need to know. Because, you know, a rule, I got a fellow Detroiter here. It's a rule in Detroit that when you, when you hang together as a, as a group, whether you understand what the fight is about or not, if I'm fighting, you fight. And if you don't fight when I'm fighting, we're not friends. And now I can fight you. Because a friend means somebody who will fight with you and for you, whether they know what's going on or not. We're all searching for this level of authenticity in relationships, genuineness in the relationship, because we really want to know what we can count on, what we can rely on, and how good it is. So if things are important and persons are important, how important is it that we have genuine, authentic, 
saving faith. I think that we live in a world where saving faith can be the category we leave in question because we've been comfortable with presenting the counterfeit version of Christianity. Today, I believe the book of James is gonna let us distinguish between the genuine and the fake, the counterfeit and the real. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor! Are you counterfeit today? <laughs> See, that was just for fun. I know you're not counterfeit, that's none of us. You're a real Christian, you're a real saint. Let's look at James chapter two. Now, I'm gonna to read together, but I want you to read this through the lens of the context of the people that he's speaking to. He's speaking to Jewish believers who had spent their whole life keeping a set of rules unsuccessfully. But yet they were trying to do it, they were trying to live right, they'd been introduced to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and they were getting born again. And they started learning the grace of Christ, the liberties that are in Christ. And they now were at a crossroads. Whether to live based on the rules or live based on grace, or perhaps was there some other way they're supposed to live where there's grace, but yet there's boundaries. There's grace, but there's still standards. There's grace, but there's still sanctification. And this text is designed to help them through that. And I believe that this is what we need help with in our generation. Let's read together this the first through, uh, four verses. We'll read James 2, 14 through 17, and we'll, we'll go from there. Ready? Read. So there, mean, there, there gives you a couple of definitions that faith has some variety to it. That means you can have a conviction or a belief or an understanding mentally that doesn't turn into transformation of your soul and doesn't equate um, genuine faith in Christ. And it's giving you some things to help you clue in to whether or not you have really tapped into saving faith. If, if you just talk about your faith and no one can see your faith on display, perhaps you have a problem. If you can, can wear the Christian t-shirt but not live the Christian life, you might have a problem. If you can look at somebody in need and say, be warm, be fed, go that way, find things to help yourself without meeting your, their need, perhaps the love of Christ doesn't dwell as deeply on the inside of you as you think. Now, what I'm not talking about is when we make mistakes and we go get forgiveness. I'm not talking about the onesies, twosies, or the little things you do wrong. I'm talking about a profound miss in the way of Christ, in the things of Christ. I believe that Christ was that person who tried to meet as many needs as possible in the world. 
What makes me like, and you're gonna find in this message because it'd be clear, like, are you saved or unsaved? But there's another category I don't want you to miss of whether or not my life has an abundance of the Christian life working on the inside of it. Because if you are saved, maybe what you need to do is let God's light in you shine uh, to another degree. You need to distinguish whether you are genuine or fake. I'll tell you something, that if you are the only person judging your life, you might have a hard time figuring it out. The Bible says a man's way is just in his own eye, but his neighbor comes and finds him out. Maybe you need those friendships, maybe you need those relationships that are godly more than you think. And what do your friends bring you into the activity of? Okay, let's just do a friend's test. Do your friends bring you closer to Christ or further away? Do your friends bring you into sin or do they drive you away from sin? Do your, do your friends and those closest to you motivate you to cuss or do they, good, no amens on that. There's no cussing saints, praise God. Do you motivate your own self to cuss? <laughs> the, 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 the point is you wanna be around people who help you do this, faith, conviction, being fully persuaded. Faith comes by hearing, hearing a word from God. But faith by itself is not just word, it's not just thought, faith produces action. He said faith without word is dead, works is dead. Faith without corresponding action is unenergized. If you say you have received the word from God, then it's necessarily something for you to do as a surrendered person to the life of God. And this is what we're trying to do. You you need to look at whether you're surrendered, whether you're authentic, or whether or not you're counterfeit. Uh, When you look into uh, uh, Ephesians 2, it says this, for by grace you've been saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we know that you're saved by grace, but yet he says we're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. So it's not faith versus works, it's works that demonstrate that you're a person of faith. Verse 18, let's read read verse 18 through 20. Because if your faith, is your faith genuine or counterfeit is a question you have to ask. But you need to know, and the only way you know is to test it. And these scriptures give us the indication of that test we should take. Ready? Read. There is a faith, a mental ascent, a level of confidence you can have 
in the fact that Jesus' de- life, death, burial, and resurrection is something that is real, but it doesn't mean that it is transferred to something beneficial in your life. The Bible says that the devils in hell believe and they shudder. They have an emotional response. They have a cognitive awareness, but they have a spiritual deadness. They are still condemned because they did not surrender to the reality of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in terms of saving faith. They just acknowledge the fact that he's Lord, but he's Lord of, he, but he's not going to tell me what to do. There's no devil, not even Satan, Thus Satan, Satan, the devil, demons, none of them on on record is saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go out with the other third of the angels. You know, you know, I just, I repent. I want to change my ways. You know, you gave the humans, Jesus. Can, can I take, the, I mean, it's just nothing. There's no reference to it. Because when you take the test of whether, where you stand with Christ, you might be aware of his goodness. You might be aware of his sinless life. You might be aware of his offering. And you might be aware that it's something good for people to take, even you, but it doesn't mean you've taken part in it. And you've got got to test that. Even the Bible says in Revelation, after he pours out all of the judgments on the earth for those who rejected Christ, and people can see him in motion, see his judgment in motion, instead of them crying out, people crying out and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent, I believe, I I receive, they will still curse God and rather spend life eternally separated from God. You can't just be around Christianity. You can't just be in a worship environment. You can't just come to a prayer service. You've got to let the Holy One not only have access to your heart, but control and lead and direct and guide your heart, sanctify your life. It has to be faith demonstrated through your works, not faith produced by your works. I'm going to say that again. The, The faith is not produced by your works. The faith is demonstrated to be true and authentic through your works. That's how you want to live. You know, I was blessed. I was blessed, you know, uh, if you want to test something, my dad, I wear this because it's one of the things that, of value that my dad left me when, when he died and he told me the value of coins, he told me the value of, the, of, of this coin and everything, and one of the things you, you do is you take your stuff in to get tested. They will test the validity, they will test the value, and it's all good. So I know this is not going to turn my neck green. I know. I know. But some people, well... I went through my season two. You okay with that little bit of green coming up on your neck? Green neck spirit, just just walking around, inauthentic. Yeah, they just, you know, they just faking it till they make it right now. Anyway, that's fun. You know, Debbie's dad, he used to teach a lesson when he was teaching the Bible. He said, if you want to know the difference between a counterfeit and the real thing, he said, he said, you don't study the counterfeit. He said, you just look at that dollar long enough and study it, and it will reveal to you, it will teach you what's counterfeit by knowing the real. I think that there are people who, when they test Christianity, have been using the people that are Christian, who confess to be Christians, as the barometer versus the word. 
And so when you use other lives to say, oh, that's what a Christian looks like, but it's not consistent with the word, it's failed the test. If you, if, if you lose other people's behavior patterns, because there are things that you know that when you're a believer, they bother your conscience. Your conscience will accuse you or excuse you, they bother you. But sometimes if we see other people doing those same behaviors, it's okay. And what you begin to do is suppress that truth or suppress your uh, conscience. So I believe what we need to do is we need to take the test so we'll know where we stand. We need to take the fruit test, Matthew 7, verse 15. Put that on the screen and we want to read. Here's the fruit test. Ready? Read. You will recognize them by their fruit. You will recognize them by your works. These are not the people that you want to trust. They are, they are basically ravenous wolves. They are sheeps in wolf clothing. Somebody can wear the clothes of Christianity but not be a Christian. I see it in dating all the time. You sit down and you say, oh, we're going to have a Christian relationship, but then somebody can slip in compromise on you. You say in business partnerships, we're going to have a Christian bar- uh, partnership, but then, then principles come in that are not that are against God you have to evaluate the relationships inwardly they are raving woods but let's take the test here's the test ready read So you need to look at life, look at yourself, and look at others and say, bad tree, good tree, good tree because good fruit, bad tree because bad fruit. You need to either make the tree good or make it bad. There are people in your life and there are things in your life that don't benefit your life don't benefit Christ, don't benefit the kingdom, and it's time for you to let those things go because they don't pass the fruit test. The whole book of James is about tests, trials that test you, temptation that tests you, your, 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 your faith is being tested. And if it doesn't pass the fruit test, you need to stop eating it. All right, the, the speech test, verse 21, ready? Read. These are people who say it right, Lord, Lord. They can, they can take the Bible and tell you on the Bible. I met some great drunk street preachers before. And I heard them preaching. I said, man, it's deep. They're not applying it to their life, but man, they are preaching. They know about demonic stuff. I've had like literally people say, look, we can get the devil off you right now, you know. 
all of these people can confess and participate in the things of God, they look like a Christian, they, they sound like a Christian, but in reality, when he says, you know, he, he, he looked, he's gonna say, depart from me, I never knew you. Just because you say it doesn't mean you mean it. When you come down today at the altar, you need to mean it. When you rededicate your life today, you need to mean it. James Lowe, when you preach in the scripture, you need to mean it. Take the test. It's a fruit test. It's a speech test. It's a listening test. Matthew 7, verse 24. Ready? Read. I have been able throughout times in my life to hear my mother's instruction and nod my head and say, yeah, and tell everybody else what my mother said, and yet do something completely opposite of what my mother said immediately. And I've done it so regularly, so repeatedly, that I passed a listening test. And she, 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 she used to tell me, she said, baby, you don't have to tell me when you're lying. I said, well, how you gonna know if I'm lying, mama? She said, because life is gonna slap you in the face. That's what she would say. She said, life gonna slap you down. She said, cause you lying, but you just want life to slap you. I'm not gonna, she, I remember my mom said, I'm not gonna whoop you no more. You too big for a whooping. But life gonna whoop you now. Because you listen, he said, when you build your life by not listening to the word, when the flood comes, when the wind blow, it's going to knock your whole life to the ground as if you've been wasting time and it's going to be proof that you did not pass the test because they're counterfeit. First John uh, 4 and 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they're of God or not. To be counterfeit means intentionally you are trying to deceive. It is not, this is not an accidental thing. That means you can come into church with an aversion to the word, but want to take advantage of the Christian community and the feel-good moment, the prayer that makes you feel good, the worship that makes you feel good, the word that makes you feel good because you're in a multiplied place where the presence of God is at an all-time time high, but you don't have any intention to live like heaven. You still have an intention to live like hell. You are a counterfeit. There's something that's going around according to Galatians 1.6 that says you can preach no other gospel that's been preached and I've been hearing in this generation that, that, that all way, all paths lead to God. That is a false narrative. That is a lie. All paths do not lead to God. We don't just serve one of the gods. We serve the God. He's not just a option. He is the option. He's the way and the truth and the life. They're counterfeit prophets. People giving the word, word that you, you're going to prosper. No, I, I, you probably going to suffer. He said, count it all joy when you fall into trials. When did 
last time you actually heard a prophet say, hey, you know, it's come some trials coming, but don't worry. God's going to meet you in the trial. He's going to meet you like he met Daniel in the lion's den, like he met Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. You're going in the furnace. I'm telling you now, you're going to furnace. But don't worry. You go come out not smelling like folk and this fire is not going to burn you. It's a counterfeit word that's going out. I come against that counterfeit word because when I test it against the word of God, he don't always promise me bright lights, good days, everything's going to be fine. That's an off version of the gospel. In fact, he said, you, you know what? You might have to, no man having left father, mother, sister, brother, land. that means you went through some stuff. For my sake and the gospel, you might have to say, hey, we're not friends no more. Hey, mom and dad, we got to separate. Hey, I can't do business with you no more. Hey, I can't hang with you no more. You keep wanting to go to the bar. I told you our family got a problem with alcoholism and I don't want to drink, but you keep on offering me that stuff. No, I don't want to take a little for my pain. I'm going to let Jesus touch my pain. You know, we got all kinds of foolishness going on. Counterfeit. He said, counterfeit, he said, believe not every spirit. He said, for Satan has disguised himself, clothed himself as an angel of light. Satan is real good. He tells you stuff like, you'll be fine. But I'm going wrong. Everybody does wrong. Everybody has a hard time. He's not, look, they're not telling you. They're all doing it. It's okay. Just talk. I know you don't feel peace, but you have to force yourself to say, I'm at peace with my decision. It's an angel of light. He's a, this is a disguise. No, that is, that is the way to hell. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. You can be sincere in being wrong. You can feel, but take the test. Just take the test so you know. Counterfeit leaders, they disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. They want to tell you, if you ever see a leader, look, it don't matter. Sin, iniquity will be judged by God. You have to deal with, even if I get up here and say, yeah, I want to declare, we don't want to, you know, God's not trying to judge you. God's, he's, he's not, he's, you know, the truth is he has grace for you. But there's another truth. He has an expectation for you as well. And you know what I want to do? I don't want to play that line and get there and me and, like me and God are going to have a negotiation once I die. God, you know, I, I confused myself a couple of times. I wasn't sure if I was in or out. But right now that I see you, I'm in. <laughs> no, you want to settle that now. You want to settle that now. That conversation not going to go like you think. Because it might be said, you said, Lord, Lord, you prophesied, you cast out demons, but we didn't develop a relationship where I had control of your heart, control of your life, control of your destiny. You didn't have saving faith. You should have took the test. Did he, did he give you the test? Roll the tape back. James Lowe on November, November 13th, 2022, gave you the test to take. Because I wanted to play that test so I don't get in trouble. There are examples of people who did have authentic faith in the Bible. There are examples of people who believe substance, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They believe that what God had promised was real and was tangible and that they could reach into the invisible world through faith and pull things out of the invisible into the tangible world by faith. They believe 
By faith, they believe they can speak to a mountain and that mountain would, would move. By faith, they can get a word from God that it's time to build, is get ready for a harvest and see that the dirt that you're standing on produce a building that's now. It can produce a wife and, a, and children that, uh, of a barren womb. God can do miraculous things through his word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing a word from God. So as the word goes out, this is how you know you're not in mental ascent versus being in faith. The word goes out, it comes from God, and it produces a confidence in him and his promise that it's yours now. You need to live this way now. You need to surrender now. Abraham said, I mean, verse 21, and James says, now, Abraham, our father, was justified by works no, let's read that differently. Y'all should have corrected me. Ready? Read. If I'm going to rent, uh, end demonstrating what authentic faith looks like, looking at Abraham is one of the greatest people we can look at. Every time, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by a word, when, God, when Abraham heard, he acted. Leave your father's house. You don't know where you're going, I'm going to show you. Leave. He had corresponding action. He said, look at the stars of the sky. He had, to, he had corresponding action. He said, you know, you're going to have a child. Sarah, you're going to have a child this time next year. She laughed, but she still acted. And when she acted, the Bible said they were old. The bodies was dead. That means they didn't have no chemistry, no magnetism. The physical body didn't want each other. And they couldn't stir up their emotions to get there. But something happened because just you are a spirit and that word he speak is spirit in life. And because he received that promise in the invisible, he started pulling into the tangible and called his body and his mind and his emotions to line up with God's will. So when they went into the privacy of their room, she came out pregnant. It felt like an impossibility. It was, the Bible says, he considered not his body that was dead, but he believed God. You might be in a dead relationship right now in your marriage. And you're not supposed to consider that that's the final say. You need to get a word from God, hold on to that word from God, and declare life and keep on interacting. Maybe it's a business relationship, maybe it's a dream, but the God who gives light and life is speaking to your situation. You still have hope. That's why as long as you live, you have hope. Even when it's going crazy, you have hope. Even when you liking is miserable and you got somebody dead to rights, if you obey God and say, he said, I've forgiven you, forgive, and you still forgive, he'll still resurrect the dead thing. Abraham teaches us. Then God comes to him and says, take your son, your only son, in whom you love, in whom I promised to, to make great and bless all the nations of the world through him, and I want you to give him back to me in a sacrifice. Abraham did not waver in faith. 
bound this boy up, made a sacrifice, say, son, you got to go. But the scripture says, because he believed that he who gave him his son could also raise his son back to life because he had made a promise. And the Bible says that God stopped him from doing it because in actuality, in his heart, he'd already done it and he'd given him the reward based on that. He says, so Abraham's faith, his belief was counted as righteousness. He was justified by his faith. His works proved that he had faith. He wasn't working to get faith. His work proved that he had faith. What does your life prove about you? Unfortunately for me, stand to your feet. Unfortunately for me, a ministry team, you can come down. I cannot tell you in moments like this what I want my life to say. I have to deal with the reality. There are a million choices in this life, millions of choices, millions of choices. None as important as the choice to surrender a life to Jesus Christ. None is important. None is important. I told you in this message there were two things that would happen. One is some of you might discover when you take the test, you are not born again. You're only Christian-like. You like, you, you, you're, you, you like it. You like where it's going. You like how it makes you feel, but you're not surrendered to it. And it's okay. There's no condemnation for you, but you need to settle that business. And then there's some of you who doesn't, doesn't like the fruit in your life. Maybe God needs to prune you a little bit. You need to cut some stuff out so you can grow bright and right. I want to pray for both groups, but I want you to pile your head to give people maximum privacy. Close your eyes to give people maximum privacy. If you know today that the message spoke to you and you're in the room and you got a counterfeit Christianity, you got faith, but it's not saving faith. You believe in the sinless life and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he offers salvation for you to repent after you repent and believe, but you hadn't really done all that business yet. This is your day. You're the first I want to pray for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, when I count to three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up high and then put it down very fast. Raise it up high and put it down fast because I believe in this private moment, God's going to do something in your heart. One, two, three. I saw that hand. I saw that hand. I saw that hand. I do it again. One, two, three. See all those hands. The second group I want to pray for, the believers, who when you did the test, you weren't unsaved, but you were definitely unfruitful. You're not where you need to be. If you fit that description, when I count to three, I want you to put your hand up fast and put it down fast. One, two, three. One, two, three. Thank you. Put it down. Pastor Dave, would you come and pray for those? And Pastor Bryson, would you come? One of you pray for the, the people who just gave their life to the Christ. And then one of you pray for the saints.
Lord, we just pray, first of all, for those who had not given their life to Christ, but have now. That in this moment, in the private chambers of their heart, they created the sanctuary. A sanctuary in the inner spaces of their consciousness. You've given us something more than blood and bones and flesh and and hair and all of these organs that science can measure. You've given us something that every human being knows is there and no one can measure, but it exists. This consciousness, as science would call it, the soul, as we call it in faith, a space that we can make a sanctuary. So I thank you, Lord, that maybe even for some, for the very first time within them, a house of worship was set up within them became a Bethel, a house of God. That's what Bethel means in the Hebrew, house of God. And they are themselves now a dwelling place for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, and invite you, as you've promised to do, to come right now to each of those who've prayed that prayer and begin to cleanse them. Fill them with you. Fill them with a knowledge of your presence. Fill them with your love. Would you begin to give them a sense of your love and your forgiveness, your mercy right now? Right now, even where they sit, may they sense your love and grace. And may they receive it in a tangible way in the relationships they can have here in the room. Please, Lord, don't let them leave alone. And if that was you and you raised your hand, you can make your way down to receive prayer at any time as I'm praying. God, thank you for for those who raised their hand. God, uh, accepting your call to live not just a life fulfilled, but a life that's fruitful. Father, I pray uh, for a new courage, God, a new boldness uh, that's only available through your finished work on the cross. God, thank you uh, that these things that we all desire, God, it's not uh, because of our white knuckling, God, it's not because of our, our grit, our hustle, our grind, but it's because of what you've done and what you put in us. God, thank you that you say in Luke not to worry about uh, what to say when you're put in front of rulers because the Holy Spirit's gonna give us the words. God, thank you. Uh, like what's prayed for in uh, in Acts 4. God, when uh, the believers together prayed uh, in spite of difficulty, God, give us boldness. We don't pray to alleviate difficulty. God, we pray in spite of difficulty. Give us boldness. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us this week as we go. Would we not be people that only live fulfilled, but would we be fruitful for your kingdom and your glory in the name of Jesus? Just want to say, if you did pray one of those prayers and you have prayer needs, any prayer needs at all, you may have some other prayer need that you would like to share. Our ministry team is waiting for you. If that's uncomfortable or new for you, grab someone who invited you or brought you here, and no one will know who's being prayed for. You were them, but they can come pray with you. Just spend some time. Don't leave without doing whatever business you have to do with the Lord. Pastor Bryson. Uh, tell those who are new here where they could be and, and dismiss the service. Right over here, you see the banners that say Guest Central. This is your first time where you consider yourself new to Bethel. We'd love to meet you, tell you about our church and how you can get involved. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. <laughs>